See you in a bit. There goes the bell with an angel. Very seasonal. <laughs> an angel and a bell. How oh, very seasonal. Well, if ever you have read any of the Apostle Paul's letters before, you'll know that they're full of conjunctions and qualifiers and prepositions and determiners. No doubt you've spotted that, yeah? Shame on us. Shame on us as English folk, many of us. Uh, English is our first language. We don't even understand what half of these things are, but of course the SLS students do uh, because they're fantastic at linguistics. Well, all of those things are the buts and the therefores and the consequentlies and the ifs of Scripture. And what you will have discovered by now as we've journeyed through this letter to the Galatians that we're looking at Sunday by Sunday is that it's absolutely full of them. And in a sense, this morning, our text is no exception. In fact, our Scripture reading today contains one of the most important conjunctive buts in the whole of Scripture. You know what a conjunctive but is? It's not what you're thinking. Listen out for it in our scripture reading uh, this morning. Galatians chapter 5, if you've got a Bible uh, with you. I'm going to read this in two parts today, so please do keep your fingers in the pages. Follows on from all that Lawrence shared with us last weekend. Here we go. It's pretty graphic. It says this, The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions, and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I've done before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, there you go, there's your conjunctive but right at the end. Well, if you have plugged in with us over recent weeks, you'll recall that Paul's consistent message to the church in Galatia has been this, is don't use your God-given and Christ-earned freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want, and therefore, in doing so, destroy the freedom that he's earned for you. In other words, Paul is saying, look, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, then your heart's desire ought to be to think differently and then, therefore, live differently. Godly living in an ungodly world. Don't become a slave to religiosity, but no freedom in your relationship with Jesus. Paul is saying to the church in Galatia, and I sense God would say to us this morning, do you know that the freest person in the world ought to be the man or the woman, the boy, the girl, who is walking with Jesus in step with his spirit? They're the freest people in the world. As Lawrence so helpfully helped us to see last weekend, followers of Jesus are called to to live, Galatians 5.16, by the spirit, Paul said last weekend. You're to live by the Spirit, and you're not to gratify the desires of the flesh. Don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, maybe your life is a bit like mine. It's really pure, and it's innocent. So last weekend, you were left with this question. Well, what on earth did Lawrence mean when he said, don't live gratifying the acts of the flesh? I don't even know what he was talking about. Well, today is Application Sunday, and Paul makes it abundantly clear what he means by the acts of the flesh, by kicking off our scripture reading today with what I'm calling a fleshy list. It's a fleshy list. 
Essentially, this list is a list of sinful self-interest, and it was a pretty graphic list. Listen to his list from the message translation of the Bible. It says this, it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all of the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. He's American, can you tell? Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show, religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded, lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. And then he says this, and I could go on. Wow. Does anybody else in the room not struggle even a bit with some of this stuff? Joyless grabs for happiness, small-mindedness, lopsided pursuits, ugly parodies of community. And then at the end of all of that, Paul says, and I could go on, to which my response is, please don't. I really didn't come to church for a beat-up today. While Paul's point in saying all of this really is very simple, and I'm not going to labor anything that he said up to this point this morning, But in a nutshell, what Paul is saying is this, if you choose to walk your journey of faith in the way that he lists in that fleshy list, then there's only one place that it can lead. It will lead to spiritual death. Eventually, your relationship with Jesus will turn into a rotten corpse that you just have to drag around behind you. In a sense, that's the warning that comes at the end of verse 21. Anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God, says Paul. So in this first section of uh, Scripture this morning, I simply just want to encourage you to have a look at the list in your own time at some point, maybe later today or this week. Have a look at the list and ask yourself the question, is there anything in that list that describes my lifestyle? You see, if there is anything there, then it's probably a sign that you're not walking in the Spirit as much as you could be, and a sign that you're potentially living a life which is not going to bring you life in all of its fullness, which is the life that Jesus has won for you. Well, here's the good news, and hopefully this will cheer us up now this morning, and it's this. Grace is God-given power for imperfect disciples to live differently. That's Paul's message. Grace is God-given power for imperfect disciples like me to live differently. The grace of God enables us to approach God knowing that he can do more in our lives than we could ever ask or imagine, and he gives all of that to us as a gift. That's essentially what he's saying after the but in verse 22, and that's why I'm suggesting that that but in verse 22 is possibly the most important word in the whole of this letter to the Galatians. That word is a hope-bringing truth. It's a word that can give us gospel confidence that there is another way, that there is a way of walking this journey of faith where we don't have to do it in our own strength, but we can do it with the strength that God gives to us. Isn't God good to us that he deals so often with the problems that we have in life, with my greatest needs, he deals with those and he does it through a gift of grace, through his love for us. Well, let's read on beyond the but um, in verse 22. It says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against these things there is no law. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, not becoming conceited, provoking, and envying each other. But isn't it great that the result of conducting our lives with the guidance of the Spirit is that He leads us not to gratify the desires of the flesh, or at least to do it less? When I walk even more in step with the Spirit, my life looks increasingly less like a stinking, sin-infested corpse, and it looks more like a fragrant, aromatic offering, which smells and looks increasingly like the person of Jesus. Here's my heart cry to everything that I hear after verse 22. Maybe it's yours. It's this, more, Lord, more. More of that list in my life. Lord, that's the life I want to pursue. Lead me on that narrow path that leads me towards life, life in all of its fullness. Well, here's an interesting but pointless fact which will excite some of you. Of the nine qualities that Paul lists there as the fruit of the Spirit, the first three have one syllable, love, joy, peace. The second three have two syllables, patience, kindness, goodness, and the third three, guess how many syllables they've got? Three, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Who did that excite? Nobody, good. But you know, here's the thing. What decent person would not want to aspire to see more of those qualities that Paul lists in their lives? Well, the good news promise of God is that those of us who are followers of Jesus will increasingly grow in all of those areas if we keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus. Walking in the Spirit, in other words, as Paul is describing it in Galatians 5, begins with a desire, with a desire to see those qualities growing in our lives. And we can only do that if we are opening ourselves up to the Spirit of God who gives those qualities to us in increasing measure as a gift. If ever we find ourselves walking in the fleshy ways that he describes, often it will be because we're stuck in a kind of habitual sin trap because of denial in our lives. Do you ever do that? Do you ever get stuck in a cycle of sin and actually you just deny that it's a problem? You turn a blind eye to it. Denial that there's any kind of problem whatsoever. Well, that's true for me. Those areas where I often struggle and there's habitual sin, it's because I pretend that they're not there. I just enter into denial. Of course, there's, there's a little voice that reminds me that they are there, and it's called Meg. <laughs> denial. Do you live with denial? When fleshy denial trumps spirit-led desire, the consequences are devastating. And maybe you've discovered that to be true from your own life, but the opposite is also true. This week, I keep having the words of Psalm 37, uh, verse 4, come to mind. It says this, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Now, when we think about these qualities that Paul lists as the fruit of the Spirit, they're, of course, just a pen portrait of Jesus. And our primary desire, to use that word, ought to be more and more like Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. If we long to be more like Jesus, then Paul's description of the Holy Spirit is for us. You see, becoming more like Jesus is more than just an instantaneous conversion, a ticket to heaven, if you like. 
But actually, it's a daily process where God wants to do a work in our lives to grow us and to mature us to be more like his son. And that's a work that God does. We can't do it in our own strength. In fact, it's impossible. You know, I sometimes think about this list, the fruit of the Spirit, and I think, wouldn't it be great if I could do it like I do a Windows update on my computer? I just download one quick file dump, press a button to say I accept it, and then suddenly everything works faultlessly. Well, it doesn't work with Windows. Why would it work with my life as a broken human being? But the reality is quite the opposite, isn't it? The growing of these fruit in our lives comes from a consistent, persistent desire to be more and more open to the Spirit of God. The more open we are to the Spirit of God, the more we're going to grow and mature in these virtues that Paul describes. Eugene Peterson uh, is brilliant on this. He describes the journey of faith as being a long obedience in the same direction. And that's what the journey of faith is. From the moment we accept Jesus to the moment we die or Christ comes again, it's a long obedience in the same direction. It's daily saying, Holy Spirit, I'm open to the work you want to do in my life. Give me the desire to live for you. And God says, I delight in giving you the desires of your heart when this is your desire. You know, Paul was so concerned about the spiritual growth of the church in Galatia that he speaks to them about the fruit, singular, of the Spirit. One fruit, Fruit of the Spirit, not fruits, plural, of the Spirit. You know, it's a myth to talk about the fruits, plural, of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's all one fruit. It's not nine fruits. Well, if you remember the fruit juice drink, I don't even know if you can still get it, called Five Alive, you'll know the idea. One drink that's made of five different flavors. And so it is with the fruit of the Spirit. There's one fruit, but there are nine flavors or qualities that make the fruit of the Spirit. Well, so what, you might be thinking. Why are you laboring this point? Well, I think what all that means is that the Holy Spirit wants to develop all nine qualities without exception in every single one of us who have trusted Jesus without exception. That's his desire, and that should be our desire too. And if that is our desire, then God delights in fulfilling that desire in our lives. So it's not that the the Spirit wants to exclusively give the ability to one person to be really loving and then to another person to be really full of joy at the exclusion of the other virtues or to give loads of peace to one person, the third person. He wants to develop all of these virtues in all of our lives all of the time. In a sense, we can say with the fruit of the Spirit, there's no picking and choosing. Those nine qualities that Paul lists indicate the amount of transformation that God is excited by his spirit to do in our lives and to grow in each and one of, every one of us. So what does all that mean? It means that I can't say, do you know what, I'm going to continue to indulge in all of my grumpiness whilst um, learning, trying to learn patience, but actually I'm not going to bother to be loving You might be the most faithful person on the planet, that's fantastic, but God also wants to deal with your grumpiness. What that means is I can't on keeping on with my keep keeping on with my favorite sins whilst being a very loving partner, whilst all the time having absolutely zero self-control when it comes to my use of the social media or the internet. What all of that means is I can't press pause on loving Meg whilst I invest more time nurturing patience towards my children. Do you see what I'm trying to say? And Meg will tell you, you need to grow in both of those areas anyway. You see, with the fruit of the Spirit, there's almost this scent. It's a a bit of an all-or-nothing pursuit. 
our job as followers of Jesus is to take root downwards so that we can bear fruit upwards. To take root downwards so that we can bear fruit upwards. A shallow follower of Jesus will bear little fruit and ultimately that spiritual life will wither and it will die. That's exactly what Paul says in Galatians 5. But a deep-rooted follower of Jesus, somebody who's allowed their roots to sink deeply into the things of Christ, will bear much fruit. And that's the kind of life that God desires for us. Now, I think all of this is really exciting. It's revolutionary. It's transformational stuff because this one fruit with nine flavors shows us that God has a big agenda for us for the transformation of our lives. Do you believe that? That God wants to do a big work in our lives. He's not content to allow us just to struggle on in our own strength, as I has a temptation of trying to do, getting stuck in the same old merry-go-round of sins, but God has a plan for us and a greater purpose for us, which is all about transformation more into the likeness of His Son, Jesus. In Galatians, you'll have noticed this by now, Paul goes way beyond um, this idea that salvation is just about getting a ticket to heaven. It goes way beyond becoming a Christian equals being a nice person. No, that's not what it is. Becoming a Christian means becoming more and more like God's Son, Jesus. The Holy Spirit's desire of revealing Christ to us that got us to the point of saying yes to Jesus when we put our trust in Him in the first place. His greatest desire is that we'll go on to mature and we'll go on to grow in the things of Christ. Here's a fact If you've come to know and love Jesus, or on the day when you do come to know and love Jesus, the promise is the seed of God's Spirit will come and live within you. I mean, that's a mind-blowing thought in and of itself. But God is not content for a seed to remain a seed. He loves for that seed to grow and to bear much fruit in our lives. And we do that by being open to the work of God's Spirit in our lives as He gives to us the fruit of the Spirit. Where we were already loving God longs for us to become even more loving. Do you need to grow in that area? I do. And if your answer is no, it's wrong, by the way. If we already experience joy, then God longs that that joy will actually explode onto our faces. Where we already experience peace, God wants our lingering anxiety over some things to be chased away with a peace that actually will transcend all understanding. He can do that in our lives when we open ourselves up to it. If you're somebody who's already got the patience of the saint, and I know some of you will don't be content with the patience of a saint, pursue the patience of the Savior, whose name is Jesus. Where you're already somebody who's kind to your neighbors at Christmas time for a month, well, God would say to you, take a look at the other 11 months as well. Where your goodness has already surpassed That of the Pharisee, God says, take a look at the goodness of my son who stretched out his arms on the cross for the forgiveness of your sin. That's goodness in all of its fullness. Where you're already faithful and exceptional with the big things of life, then God would want us to take us on a journey over the smaller things of life as well. And where your gentleness already surpasses that of fairy washing up liquid and is evident to strangers, well, Maybe the challenge for some of us is to display the same gentleness to the people that we love the most. They're often the people we're the harshest with. And then there's self-control. Oh dear. 
Just try not to eat all the popcorn before the movie has even started. We'll begin there with self-control. You see, God has got a big agenda in our lives. If we're already doing well in those areas, there's room for growth. And as I finish this morning, I want to leave us with an invitation, and it goes back to that psalm that I shared. And it's all about desire. I wonder what the greatest desire of your heart is this morning. Do you know if your greatest desire is to grow in all of these things, the fruit of the Spirit that Paul is describing, then God's greatest delight is to grow those things in your life. It's his promise. What's your greatest desire? God loves to give us the desires of our heart, and he'll do that for us without us even having to strive for it. It's all about being orientated to being more like his son, Jesus. The anchor verse that we've got for this teaching series says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ in me. So I live in this earthly body, trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, it's not nothing to do with us. It's all about Jesus. And my prayer for me, and I'm going to invite us all to pray in just a second, is, Lord, make the desire of my heart even more to be like my Savior, Jesus. That I'd think like him, that I'd live like him, that my character would be transformed even more into his likeness. I don't know about you, but God's got a big work to do in me. But he can do it. And he'll continue doing it until the day that Christ returns or he takes me home. Either way, he's got a big agenda for transformation. And it all begins with our desire that he delights to fulfill if it's orientated around the things of God. I'm going to invite the musicians to come and join us. Let's pray together. Let's be still for a moment. sense for some of us today that God would want to say to us the word stop striving. Stop striving in your own strength. Stop trying to work so hard to become a better person. Since Jesus would just say to us this morning, I've got this. Just be open to my spirit being at work in your heart and in your life. I wonder if that's you today striving and working hard to try and be nicer. Lord Jesus, we invite you this morning as we just open ourselves up to the work of your Spirit to say, Lord, take us beyond nice. Take us closer to being like you. God is the God who delights in giving us good gifts. And Lord, this morning we just open ourselves up to a work of your Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, come. We open ourselves up to be transformed more into the likeness of Christ as you work the fruit of the Spirit out in our lives. We're going to sing in a moment. Just before we do, I'm going to shush and be quiet and Just ask God by Spirit to speak 
directly to each one of us. Maybe there's just one particular area or a couple of things where God specifically would challenge us this morning to stop striving and to let Jesus do his work by his spirit. Let's be quiet for a moment and allow God to speak to each of us. Our hope is you, Jesus. And we choose to anchor that hope in no other place. So as we sing a song of response, it's a declaration, it's a prayer that simply says, I'm going to cling on to the hope that is Jesus. Let's stand together, shall we? Let's sing in response.